The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. Say what you want to say The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. Hello and welcome to Fearless Fabulous You. I'm your host, Melanie Young, and I am so glad you could join me. Today is August 21st, 2017, and it was the eclipse, the earth-shattering solar eclipse. Um, I saw it with my husband, David, pretty much, I'd say what a I call it a partial eclipse here in the Hudson Valley, Um, but it looked like uh, the skies really were quite fabulous in Carbondale and Willamette Valley, Oregon, where my good friend Mark Oldman also got down on his knees and proposed marriage with a sparkling diamond ring, so we're all abuzz on Facebook. Mark's a really fun friend of mine and a wine writer, and I just thought that was just, I'm so happy for him and anyone who decides to do something like that on a once-in-a-lifetime moment. Um, I truly believe, and I'm going to do more of it uh, this year and next, that you really have to take advantage of once-in-a-lifetime moments. That saying you're too busy or you have a deadline or you got to work or maybe, you know, um, I'll do it another time, just doesn't cut it. And I got to tell you, there were too many times in my prior life when I was running my culinary events marketing company where I just didn't have the time to do this or that. I didn't go here. I didn't accept invitations to see friends in faraway places. And I regret it. But on the flip side, I also took advantage of it and said to hell with it and did some pretty amazing trips as well. What I learned from the experiences when the opportunity strikes, don't hesitate. Just jump. Figure it out. You'll figure out how to pay for it. Well, maybe not with my first. My first guest may be <laughs> breathing deeply at that. You'll figure out how to pay for it. You'll figure out how to make it happen. But don't let life's opportunities pass you by. We're not here to be. We're not here to be onlookers in life. We're here to be participants. So as I always say, eat the cake, drink the wine, and take the trip. So you're listening to Fearless Fabulous You on the Women for Women Network. W4WN, and of course you probably know this, that all my shows are podcast permanently to iHeart.com and the free iHeart app, which means you can listen to my shoes while you're exercising or hiking or doing really amazing things. And starting in September, we're moving. This show will move to Wednesdays at 12 noon, 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. 
Uh, and that will be starting this September. Uh, so check me out at lunchtime if you're on the East Coast and in the morning with your coffee or after you drop off the kids on the West Coast. Uh, and we'll be still, as always, interviewing inspiring women who help you make healthier choices to live a happier life. Which brings me to my first guest, and I'm dedicating the show to her, which I'm going to be doing more of in the new season, because I've, I've discovered a lot of my guests just really have a wealth of knowledge, and sometimes 20 minutes just doesn't cut it. And I would say this is pretty much what my guest today is about. Um, it's a topic that's very important to many of us, and yet a lot of us screw it up. We're talking about money management. I raise my hand. I'm probably the first who's really screwed it up. I'm better at making the money than keeping the money. I'm great at spending the money, but not investing the money. And my dad was brilliant at dodging the IRS, but he's known all around. So, uh, and so far, I haven't found anybody who's better than my dad at being a CPA. So we're going to talk to a woman. Her name is Cheryl Fields. She is uh, a financial expert. In fact, she helps people make better decisions about their finances so they have peace of mind. And let's face it, we all want peace of, on earth, but we can really create more peace of mind starting with managing our finances. Um, Cheryl has a very interesting life. She, uh, her company is called Lifestyle Wealth Group. She's out of Florida where Chad, my engineer, is. She is an entrepreneur. She says she's enjoyed the entrepreneurial lifestyle for over 35 years, and she started companies from Hollywood to Boca Raton and owned businesses from San Diego to Bangor, which we're going to learn about because I love entrepreneurs in that Bangor, Maine. Each was different, and she loved running the teams. But like many of us, she had some major changes in her life that made her step back, reassess, and figure out what she wanted to do with the rest of her life. And she decided after taking stock that she wanted to help people become savvier about money and help people create the life they want and the peace of mind they desire through better financial management. Well, I'm excited because I'd like that in my life, to be very honest, and I bet a lot of you would too. So I'm going to welcome Cheryl Fields to Fearless Fabulous You. Welcome, Cheryl. Well, Melanie, thank you so much. It's great to be here. And I just want to say that, like, like you mentioned before, my whole uh, you know, attitude and my whole company, Lifestyle Wealth Group, is all about what you said. I love it. Eating the cake, drinking the wine, and taking the trip. I love that. <laughs> so that's exactly what we're all about. There's so much to talk about there. Absolutely. I say this as one of my best friends just jetted off to France with six girlfriends. Not me. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of wistfully watching her start her day one of her big uh, 60th birthday trips without me. But that's a whole other story of why I decided not to take that trip. Um, Cheryl, you apparently are a serial entrepreneur, not Kellogg's Special Case Serial, but you create businesses and you love doing <laughs> it. Um, yes. So let's talk about that first, because I've only created one, well, two businesses, and I, I've had a love, I love doing it. I actually hate working for anybody else, but you, there's ways yeah. to do it right, and there's ways to do it wrong. What, what, what is it about you that made you become an entrepreneur? What drove you to becoming an entrepreneur? Well, when I was, I, I lived in, in San Diego. I was raised in LA and went to high school in San Diego. Mm -hmm. And I just always, it's always what I wanted to do, Melanie. As my friends were planning on going to San Diego State or San Diego Community College or UCSD or whatever, 
all I could think about was becoming an entrepreneur. I thought, you know, they're going to spend the next four years of their lives and $100,000 of their parents' money um, doing something, you know, like studying on stuff and maybe adding a couple of years on the end. And I thought, you know, I just want to go out there. I want to be an entrepreneur. I really want to figure out how business works. Um, you know, my mom was a single mom, and um, I always felt that there was so much that we didn't weren't able to enjoy and so many things mm-hmm. that never happened, you know, for us um, as a family or me as a, you know, a, as a, you know, a, a teenager and things like that. And I just felt, you know, like um, it was time for me to figure it out. And I knew that my parents couldn't teach me. My mom and dad, they were split up, but they couldn't teach me because they hadn't done it. And so I figured out that I just had this idea in my head that I was going to do it myself. So that's what I've always done. And um, it actually started out really well um, in that I just printed out some printed up some business cards. And one of the things I love to do was graphic type things. I had taken graphic arts back then in high school, and it was all manual then. I mean, this was decades before the internet or anything computerized. And so we did it all by hand. And so I love to do that. So I printed up business cards and I went door to door in these industrial parks and just said, I know I'm young, but um, I can do the work. And if you don't like me, you don't, if you don't like it, you don't have to pay me. And um, so I did, you know, I, you know, trekked from industrial park to industrial park for one after, you know, for a couple of days. And one afternoon then I stopped on this place and these people made these engines. And um, so they said, we actually do. We would love to have you come. We need you to, we need this and that and blah, blah, blah. So I did a project for them and another one and another one. And it was about maybe three months or so that I was working with them. And, um, you know, I didn't know anything about engines. So, um, um, but then as I completed the last project, they said, you know, the boss is coming in and we'd really love for you to meet him. And I said, great. And um, so he said, come in on Friday or whatever. Well, the boss ended up being Mario Andretti. And the people I was doing work, the work I was doing was for the pit crew of the Long Beach Grand Prix. Well, wait and a minute. Well, you didn't so know anything I, about engines. Yeah. So what were, let's just back that up. Now, you were going, so basically you were, you were going door to door. Let's just admit it. You were going door to door with your little cards that you made. Yep. And you're young, yeah. and and you end up yeah. working for a company that you know apparently is tied to Marion Dirty. But what were you actually doing? Because you said you don't know anything about engines. So what were you doing? Well, so I was doing like re- brochures and okay, you know, so graphic, graphic things. They had me. They had graphic design and then printing mm-hmm. of the graphic materials. You know, so my my first thing, which was um, which was like uh, at, you know um, drawing little arrows to all the different parts of the engine. And, of course, they wrote the copy and all that kind of stuff. And so all I had to do was do the graphic part and make sure that it looked good in the brochures. And so that's what we did. And then we did some charts and different things. And what I didn't know then was it was lap charts for the, um, for the race. And um, so it was really just kind of funny. I was so naive. You know, I was like barely yeah. 18. And, you know, what do I know, right? I'm just looking at this as another job. So it was really through that that, um, and, you know, they wrote me a check and, you know, I cashed the check and all of a sudden it was like, I like this entrepreneurial thing. So, of course, I had lots of ups and downs and lots of things I learned over, over you know, the next 35 years. But, um, but yeah, it's always, um, it's really always being able to just see a need and be able to somehow meet it, figure out how to meet it, and um, then, you know, be, offer it to people who need your services. So, you know, I talk about mon- a lot about money now, but money is really just the exchange of value, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you have something that you know how to do, sometimes entrepreneur, right. you know, it sounds really fancy or whatever, but, you know, it's kind of just, it's really just hard work. And I've always laughed that I'm pretty unemployable, you know, because I do have my own ideas and I do like to just get things done. And um, so that doesn't always work really well in a corporate structure. So yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, it's just always what I've, yeah, what I've loved to do. And um, I was 
um, I was a consultant um, for a, a Fortune 500 company uh, for Gulfstream Aerospace in mm-hmm. uh, Savannah, Georgia for about a year, a little bit over a year. And um, that was a really, really fun um, J-O-B. I had a J-O-B at the time, you know, but, um, mm-hmm. but other than that, I've always been, and again, of course, I was a consultant, so I was really still on a 1099, but the whole thing right. was, it was a really great opportunity. So you've started a couple of other companies. Just give our guess, because I think it's interesting that you, you had a skill, a basic skill, and you kind of just mm-hmm. had a lot of gumption, <laughs> which I mm-hmm. think is part of it. And you went door to door, which a lot of people don't do now that it emailed me. But you know, you you made the connection and you and you took the job and and it and, it, and you parlayed it, which is very cool. Um, a lot of people don't even know what their skill is. Or what they want to do and how to sell it, and and that's a challenge. I think a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs, you you nailed it. Find the need and fill it, but you also have to have the skill mm-hmm. to fill the need. Yours was at the time graphic design, and then you kind of parlayed that. Right, absolutely. And I think that just I think that it really does boil down to um, really doing something that you like to do or love to do. Mm-hmm. Either that or doing, I work with women as well now. I mean, so now if you even fast forward, cause I did have a lot of different experiences that I'm glad right. to kind of run through those if, if you'd like me to. So we, I, I started a broadcast quality video production company in LA and we mm-hmm. did work for ABC television. We did work <clears> for USC and UCLA and uh, that was super fun. And, yeah. um, and so, um, you know, it was just, it was just a really fun time. Um, and then from there, so I, I was actually married to um, an ABC executive at the time, and he was really mm-hmm. sick of television, and so he wanted to move to Colorado. And so we mm-hmm. moved to Colorado, or we wanted to move, actually. I wanted to move to Colorado mm-hmm. as much as he did. And so we bought, um, of course, I had to buy a job, you know, so I bought a printing company, of course, right up my alley again, right, printing and design mm-hmm. company. And um, it was 17th in a market of 17, so dead, ringer for less. And um, I thought, well, hey, you know, no problem. I can go sell printing. I, I know all about printing and graphics and all that stuff. That's just mm-hmm. what I used to do. So um, I went out and I sold and sold and sold. I used my same strategy that I did when I was 18, although now I was 30 something or probably, 30, yeah, a little bit over 30 probably. And, um, and the, the, the thing was, one of the really important lesson I learned there, which I would probably think is my most important lesson I ever learned uh, the hard way was um, I went out and I sold, sold, sold. And so we got government contracts. We got mm-hmm. uh, like the Aspen, we got work for Aspen ski mm-hmm. resorts. We got all this stuff. The problem was um, that I didn't allow for enough cash flow. And mm. so, um, you know, what happened was I was, my, all my employees, everything was going great. I had all this work. I had all this work on the books. The pr- printing presses were running day and night. But mm-hmm. the problem was my employees wanted to get paid on Friday and like yeah. the government was going to pay me in two months, you know, and I'm like, oh, and so it, it sounds so simple, you know, probably your listeners are going, well, how could you not know that? But, you know, you don't really, as you're an entrepreneur, lots of times, you know, some of the things you don't do as well as you probably could is plan. And so you never know what it's, what's going to, what's going to be around the corner. And so anyway, I learned that the hard way. I went into my banker and thank God he was willing to, I said, you know, look, you and I are kind of partners now, but we're going to be really good partners in just a little bit here because I really need you to help me. And so he was fine. He jumped, you know, stepped up and, and, you know, we ended up selling it four years later at number two in the market. So you know, but well, you that's have to that have congratulations. That will help you. But but you know, yeah, I learned it that way too. I was uh, my prior company, Amyon Communications, was a public relations culinary events agency, and we had I had a lot of employees. Well, under twenty, but still, that's a mm-hmm. lot. And it was a service business, and so I you you know the the contracts were large, but the pay came mm-hmm. in slow. 
And you're right. You still, right. Have to pay, you still have to make payroll. And, you know, we had to go and really befriend the bankers and make sure we were covered. Yeah. As <laughs> you the know that. The restaurant mm-hmm. industry people I know called the curly shuffer because shuffle because you're shuffling money around. It's not the best way to operate, um, right? But it's 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 challenging because you you you, know, you want the business, you got to service the business, you want to keep the mm-hmm. client. We, we actually, I'll tell you, we actually got pretty tough about the money and, and started demanding. We, are we mm-hmm. tightened our? Ter- I just tightened our terms because it became unpalatable mm-hmm. to me. Um, so you got to have the well, stomach. Well, me too. For but it. you know, but you remember that moment when you realized, yeah. wait a second. Uh, that we, you know, there's a big uh, gap there. And yeah, yeah, so I'm sure you realize just what I did. And, and really, of course, then you only make that mistake once, you know, because then you like, then, like you said, you take measures and you, you learn from it. And that's what I feel like being an entrepreneur is all about. Well, a lot of it also is, um, and I know <laughs> I never did it, but next business I do, I will. It's good to have a business plan. <laughs> it's good to have a business yeah. plan and strategy from yeah. the get-go so you know what your mission is, who your audience is, how you're targeting them, and how you're going to pay for all this while you're waiting for the money to mm-hmm. come in and, and, and what you need to, to operate on a manageable budget without overexpending. A lot of businesses overexpand too quickly because they get all excited. Yeah. And, and that's probably some of the big downfalls of many entrepreneurs is they overexpand mm-hmm. too quickly and then they realize they don't have the infrastructure, right? Oh, exactly. I mean, and that's, I think that's probably, you're absolutely right, the most common thing that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, um, it can be prevented, but a lot of times, you know, uh, you find that sometimes I think we think, oh, well, that's kind of a good idea. I think I'll try it. And all of a sudden people are like, yes, you know, this is really a needed product or service, or we really want to do business with you or whatever. And so you end up having more business than you might have thought of. And you maybe were right. afraid to think a little, you know, think too big. And I think it's, um, you know, so like fast, fast forward now, the whole mm-hmm. thing is when I, um, you know, I, so I print, I've been from Colorado, I went to Maine and mm-hmm. I printed a, um, in, I, I was uh, the publisher for an um, international business journal, which was a positive reporting, reporting paper from Maine and Atlantic Canada. And um, so that was uh, that was about a five year venture there. And what the was same it called, Cheryl? It from nothing. The what Northeast International Business Northeast International Business Journal. Oh, so what? Why? Um, and that was right about the time Maine. that the internet was starting up. I'm yeah, sorry. Why Maine? Why Maine though? weren't you weren't you just in Colorado oh. when we were left? <laughs> Why'd you go to Maine? I'm just yes. curious. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, the real story. The real yeah. truth is. Uh, so my, I told you that I was married to that ABC executive, and we, I loved Colorado, but he hated it. And when we sold the business, um, he, he had just, I, I mean, what could you hate about Colorado? But he said it didn't have exactly. enough trees and whatever. So I said, well, listen, I was trying to save the marriage at that point, and I was just like, well, you find a place that you want to go, because I knew I could you know, start a business anywhere. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, you find a place that you want to go, and we'll figure it out. Well, he picked. Don't, Melanie, my best advice, don't ever set, send your husband to go buy a house without you, right? He bought this little place that was like a golden pond, you know? Uh I was like, oh, my God. When I got there, I was like, you have to be kidding me. This girl from L.A. all of a sudden was in the middle of, like, Loon Lake in Maine, and I'm thinking, oh, my God. So it was actually the end of the marriage, um, but... Um, I learned a lot from that. And, um, and again, with business, I mean, I had a really great time. I built this business journal. My girls by then were um, almost teenagers. Well, they were mm-hmm. teenagers and um, in high school. And they, we, we actually worked the business together. And so um, it was just a really great time in our lives. And, um, and we did a lot with that. Um, hmm. And then from there is when I went down to, uh, to Savannah, Georgia, and I was offered a position at Gulfstream Aerospace. 
Um, and so I worked for them for a year. And um, that was like the super funnest job you could ever have because this was, um, um, this was, uh, I met the director of marketing and she was, and I asked her one day when we were walking our dogs together in the mm-hmm. park, you know, and I said, so, and I said, so what do you give the people that buy the jets? Cause I was really fascinated by that. You know, I'm thinking, mm-hmm. wow, who has $50 million to buy a jet? Right. And, um, and she said, oh, we give them these really great golf shirts. And I was like, what? She says, yeah, we give them these really great golf shirts. And I'm like, wait a second. They just bought a $50 million plane. They probably have a golf shirt, right? And I'm right. thinking, well, and she, she says, well, why? What would you do? And I said, wow, well, um, let me think about that and I'll get back to you. So I, you know, I kind of went over next time I saw her a week later or whatever. I went over what my ideas were. She said, write it up um, and um, write, you know, write your salary requirements and turn it into HR. And mm-hmm. you created a position for yourself. So I did. And so I was a personal shopper with a Gulfstream checkbook. And so oh my designed, God. Um, uh, it was crazy. We designed, I said, you have to give them things that they can't buy. Mm-hmm. So we had everything. We had, you know, custom Fabergé eggs made, custom jackets, custom things for the, 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 the owners, the pilots, um, the owner's wives, the owner's children and the mechanics. And so we had, and we, and we um, standardized it uh, around the world because these salesmen were going out and buying all these random gifts. And, um, and so uh, we standardized it and we had a private label uh, brand of Gulfstream clothing, um, Gulfstream everything, um, you know, luggage and all kinds of things. And so we standardized that um, around the world so that um, all of the gifts would be the quality that we needed, brand, you know, appropriate and all that. And so anyway, it was a super fun time in my life. Um, and so that was like the really good part. The not so good part was I got in, into a really bad relationship. And, um, it was somebody that was very successful and, um, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I, he had had a great reputation and blah, 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 blah. Well, anyway, mm-hmm. one thing led to another and, um, things kept getting worse and worse. And, you know, my, um, I realized that, you know, the car, you know, I went into it with a, you know, a BMW, you know, like a four mm-hmm. series. And he says, well, let's get you a six series and let's put it in the business name. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's trade in your house and let's, you know, let's live in my house. Let's do this. Mm. And so I ended up four years um, of that um, being um, really in a, in a desperate situation. And I got a call one afternoon. My Mm, Yeah. Really desperate. My, uh, Mm -hmm. my daughters called me from Maine and they were in their mid twenties by then and Mm -hmm. said, "Uh, mom, we know that you're in an abusive relationship and we know that you, are hoping we don't know, but we do. So he was and physically abusive, physically and emotionally mm-hmm. abusive. Um, Ooh, of, yeah, both, both, mm. absolutely. Very tough. And um, yeah, and you know, and so they called me and they said, "Mom, we were so scared that we're going to get a call from the police or somebody that wow. says that something really terrible has happened to you." Mm-hmm. And they said, "We can't bear that thought of that." And so we booked a hotel room for you tonight. And we've booked a flight out for you in the morning on flight 646. Um, and we want you to be on it. It leaves at 645 and we've arranged for a police escort to get you there. Oh, my. Well, you know what? I'm so sorry you went through this. But, you know, I think for anyone listening, I think it's important to understand that it happens to the most dynamic, fearless, fabulous women. You can get into a relationship that is not right for you. And honestly, Cheryl, I've heard this over mm-hmm. and over and over again. And, and, and it could be entrepreneurs who are highly successful and they end up for whatever mm-hmm. reason in a relationship that may not have started out that way. 
but then you dig in deeper and then all of a sudden things happen. So your daughters obviously love you very much and did the best thing that could have to get you out of it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you know what I tell people now, you, I didn't realize it at the time, but mm-hmm. looking back, um, I realized that it, it happened a day at a time. Right. And I have one of my clients now is a, is a, um, you know, a psychologist. And she was telling me that, um, that people like this, that are this way, abusers are very patient and they are very calculating. And so even this, even though he had had a great reputation, a lot of people knew him, we were going mm-hmm. to all the fancy parties, you know, mm-hmm. we were on all the guest lists and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But the whole thing was, everything was so different once, you know, once you got home right. or when things, you know, it was just a mess. And so, so I, I had a decision to make then, you know, mm-hmm. um, what was I going to do? And uh, I think sometimes, you know, you'll do more for other people than you'll do for yourself. And right. so I realized that I wasn't hiding it from anybody. I realized that I need, I knew I needed to get out. I just didn't mm-hmm. know how, because by then right. I basically had nothing to call my own. Mm-hmm. And Oof. so, um, uh, uh, I'm telling you, it was, so I, but the thing is you have to act fast when you're that scared, you have to act yeah. fast because if you stop and think about it, you'll be paralyzed. Right. So Absolutely. I, I picked up my yeah. purse. Yeah. Uh-huh. I picked up my purse. I stuck all, whatever I could in it. Um, you know, the things that were most important to me and I walked out the door and I mean, he wasn't home at the time and I walked mm-hmm. to Forsyth park. Um, which a lot, if you know Savannah, right. you know, it's right in the middle. Yeah, where it's they, beautiful. You know, it's where they, yeah, where they filmed the movie Forrest Gump. Right. I was sitting on the park bench where Tom Hanks sat when he said, life's like a box of chocolates. You <laughs> never know what you're going to get. Wow. And, and I thought to myself, wow, Cheryl, how the hell did you get here? You know, how did this happen? And how did it, you know, like you, like I was a kick-ass single mom entrepreneur, you know, mm-hmm. like, how did this happen? How did I let this happen? And how did, you know, and all this, and so all this went through my mind, probably for a couple of hours. And mm-hmm. I just sat there and I, I just stared into space. I mean, I couldn't believe it. But then I realized, you know what? Okay, now what? Now what are you going to do? You know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and now what are you going to do with your life? And I realized, you know, even though I knew how business worked, I was starting over. I was 47 years old. And I figured, mm-hmm. you know, I need to know how money works. Right. And so, um, so I decided, okay, when I get back to Maine, I'm going to become a financial advisor. And that's what I did. And that's really um, smart. They were the ones, yeah, they were the ones that knew how money worked, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, so then I was in the market. So I took my tests and I passed them and I was hired by a global investment firm right out of school. And, um, that was like late in 07. And then in 08, the market crashed. Now you were in and your forties. Like, you were in your forties at this at this time, right, Cheryl? I was almost fifty. Mm-hmm. So, did you have any? I just have to because that's a pretty big bold move to go in and, and take the test and being hired by a global investment firm. Did you have any pushback because of your age? Out of curiosity. No, I, I don't think okay. I really did have because okay, good. they knew. You know, the thing is, especially in '07, the market had been doing great. Right. People were talking about the baby boomers. People were saying, "Oh, you know, this whole generation, ten thousand a day, are going to mm-hmm. retire in about five to ten years." You know, you're mm-hmm. the perfect age, you know, to talk with them and that kind of thing. And so, I don't think. No, I don't think I had. But of course, it is a totally male-dominated industry, right? I know a lot of friends and, have worked um, in the business. Yeah. That's why I asked. A lot of them got out. <laughs> as they were in their fifties. Mm-hmm. So, and you're, so it's interesting. You were going in 
as they were getting out. Well, and it's absolutely blossomed. And, you know, it's Mm -hmm. absolutely the perfect time to be a woman in this business. So from that point, then I was new in the business, the market crashed. And I heard my colleagues telling people, oh, I'm sorry, you've lost half, you know, a third or half of your money. Don't retire. I mean, we all know what happened, right? The real estate market crashed, the stock market crashed, and the economy crashed all at one time. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sitting there then, Melanie, thinking to myself, you just got off the dang park bench. You've just spent the last three years of your life studying and doing all this to get here. Mm -hmm. And now this is what you have. You have a crash stock market. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, this is not at all what I got into this business to do was to be calling Mm -hmm. people and telling them that while I was supposed to be watching their money, they went broke. Right. It's so sad. So So what did you do? It's a mess. So every night I went to bed, I laid my head down and I felt sick in my stomach. I felt like I wanted to Mm -hmm. throw up every night Mm -hmm. because I was like, what, what have you done now? You know, what have, what is going on? What have you, Mm -hmm. you know, what are you thinking? What, where did you go wrong? And so one night I just said, you know how they say you turn it over, you know, I just kind of laid my head on the pillow and just said, you know, I I just need answers, please. Whatever, whoever can Mm -hmm. answer. I just need answers. Mm -hmm. I'm tired. I need answers. And I woke up the next morning and I didn't have any answers. But what I did have was a really, really big question. And the question was, wait a second, what do wealthy people do? Because they don't start over every time the stock market crashes. They have time and money no matter what happens in the stock market or the economy. So what do wealthy people do? And, <laughs> yes, yeah, and they pass it on to their kids. And I was like, so wait a second, what wasn't I taught in school? And so I didn't really have an answer, but what I did is I went and I started talking to wealthy people, just like Napoleon Hill Hill did Mm -hmm. in Thinking Grow Rich. That's the only person I knew to follow, like, you know, Mm -hmm. and I went and I talked to people and I found out that when they started the IRS tax code, they actually, there's five places in the tax code that actually allow you to have tax-free cash flow that you could, that lasts your whole lifetime. And it was, it was started at the same time that they started the IRS. So there was like 50,000 pages or whatever of, of mm-hmm. tax code that says all the ways and times and places and how much and how whatever you have to pay tax. But there's also places that talk about how you, if you structure things correctly, you don't have to pay tax. And that's so, what wealthy people were doing. So that's what I want to talk about. We're going to take a short break, Cheryl. And that's okay. what we're going to dive into for all this. We're going to dive into some of these things that Cheryl is now sharing with the people she works with to help you think like someone who has wealth. So you already have wealth. So you're going to make, you're going to get it into your head. So we're going to take a short break. You're listening to Fearless, Fabulous You. We're talking with Cheryl Fields, the founder of Lifestyle Wealth Group. And we're going to come back and talk about Smart Money Matters for you. Tell me how you feel about this. Do what I want if I wanna live. I worked hard and sacrificed to get what I get. Ladies, it ain't easy being independent. Question, how'd you like this knowledge that I brought? Bragging on that cash that he gave you as a front. If you're gonna brag, make sure it's your money you front. Depend on no one else to give you what you want.
And we're back. You're listening to Fearless Fabulous You with Melanie Young, your fabulous host. And we're speaking with Cheryl Fields, who is um, a founder of Lifestyle Wealth Group. She has started a lot of companies. She was very successful. Then she had a few personal setbacks in her marriage and had to get out of a bad marriage and had to uh, decided to retool her life to focus on financial services, weathered the crash, and now really helps people find financial peace of mind. Cheryl, um, most of my audience is women, and it's widely known that most women don't have enough money to live on. In fact, it's kind of scary, the statistics, many women are living in in, in below, in, in, in I mm-hmm. want to say poverty, but not good situations as they get older. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it's because they relied on a husband who may have mm-hmm. been so great, or they didn't put away money. What is it that women who are, let's say, in their 40s and 50s need to start thinking about to, you know, to, to, to have financial peace of mind when they get older? Mm. Not very many people really have a handle on that like you do, Melanie. So that's really great. And absolutely. So as I sat on that park bench, and like I told you, I kind of said, now what? You know, now what am I going to do with my life? Now what's going to happen? And I was starting over. And so, you know, what I realized and what I found out, becoming a, I thought financial advisors knew it all. And so, you know, I wanted to become that. But what I found out when I saw the market crash is actually they couldn't stop it. And they didn't know any more what to do than anybody else did. And I was like, wait a second, this doesn't make any sense because we've all been led to believe this stuff all of our lives. Mm -hmm. So I found out what wealthy people do and I started talking to them. And what I found out is there are other ways to do things, ways that were not taught and ways that I hadn't learned fresh out of financial school, right? Mm -hmm. So it was really interesting and really, uh, so I just started to say to myself, wait a second, what is it that women could use or need? How could I help other women Mm -hmm. who have that park bench moment who think, you know, I want to get out of this relationship, but I don't have the funds or I'm starting over or like you are, you know, we're so, um, you know, so clever to point out is that the, you know, the statistics say that one out of three women will end up at or near the poverty level mm-hmm. at some time in their life, in their adult, you know, in their retirement life. And the problem is, so what I talked about was that we, what we've been led to believe is that if we defer taxes in IRAs and 401ks, that that's going to provide for us. And right. I'm telling you, the reason that people are retiring broke, we have 30 years of history of listening to them tell us that we need to defer our taxes. And we don't have time to cover it on the show today because it's a conversation, but it's a conversation that, you know, I have, I do webinars and workshops and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I call them no pitch because we don't, we're not charging anything for this, but my, my whole goal and my life mission is to educate women. We are tired as a whole. And I'm not, I say we, I don't mean to be speaking for all women, but what I found in, I have clients all across the country. I've spoken, you know, across the country. I've been on Fox. Mm -hmm. I've been on you know, uh, other television stations, um, you know, podcasts and radio shows like yours, fabulous show. And, Mm -hmm. you know, what we need to do is we need to understand that we need to take a look at our finances. We need to not be ashamed of where we are. That's number one. However we got there, it doesn't matter. That's Mm -hmm. where we are. And that was what I realized. uh, Right. This is Mm -hmm. where I am. Like it or not, it ain't pretty. Right. Mm -hmm. But You have to pick up from where you are. And so wherever it is, I I encourage women, you know, wherever you are, look at, you know, have somebody help you. I'm glad to help you. Look at where that is and then say, okay, now how am I going to get to a better place to where I want to be? So let's just give a scenario here because the, the, one of the hardest things is to admit you need help. And one of the strongest things to do is to seek mm-hmm. help. So three of the big areas that 
seem to be a big problem is one is is debt. Mm-hmm. Uh, way mm-hmm. too many people are in yeah. debt. Um, okay. So I want to address that. And two, let's, yeah, um, let's talk about mm-hmm. yeah. And as women get older, their earning sometimes goes down because they maybe they've mm-hmm. been eased out of a job and they find they're earning less. So let's talk about those mm-hmm. two areas, which seem to be a big Absolutely. issue. Absolutely. Okay. So here's the thing. So here's here's some of the things that we talk about. See, we've been led to believe stuff that's not true, and mm-hmm. you know that's the whole thing. What people are retiring with not enough money, not because they haven't done a good job and they haven't followed the advice of the people that they've trusted, right? But they, right. it's because the system doesn't work. And that may be, people might be saying, oh, you know, what do you mean or whatever. But I'm telling you, um, I've been speaking about this across the country. And on the mm-hmm. January 3rd of this year, the Wall Street Journal on the front page had an article about this guy named Stuart Whitehouse, who was the early proponent of the 401k. And he mm-hmm. said that it was, it was never meant to be a retirement vehicle for the huh. American family. Wow. He says we've been, and he says we've been lied to, and you can look it up, January 3rd of this year. And he said we've been lied to. And he said we tried to stop it during the Reagan years, but Wall Street had a hold of it, and we couldn't stop it. They were making too much money. So there's over 40 fees inside of the mutual funds that most people have inside their 401ks. That's wow. why they don't get ahead. That's why they don't make any money. There's 42 people that get paid before they do. And so when I start finding out that stuff, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is what we need to know, and this is mm-hmm. what we need to teach. And so that's my mission and my goal. So the whole thing is here's the thing about debt, and just think about it, right? We, we're told, okay, put your money in the 401K where you can't get to it till you're 59 and a half, okay? So if you haven't made – if you, you're really – the deck is stacked against you anyway, mm-hmm. but – when you get there, it's too late to start over. At least mm-hmm. I was only 47, right? I mean, that mm-hmm. doesn't sound very, you know, most people are like, oh my God, you're so old. No, I was only 47 because at least I wasn't 59 and a half where I mm-hmm. found out, hey, I really screwed up and I don't have enough. So right. anyways, that's, that's part of it. The thing about debt is this. So they tell you we have to, the system right now that we have works for the banks, the financial advisors, and I mean Wall Street, not the people on the corner that are trying to help. They were trained just like me. They're probably mm-hmm. doing what they taught to do. It doesn't work. And so then um, the, so the banks, the financial, you know, Wall Street, and then um, the IRS, and they all make money by the way things are set up. So think about it. They take your money, out, you know, basically you can't use your money until you're 59 and a half. Then, right. You need stuff in your life. We need stuff. Our kids need stuff. We need stuff. Like, you know, you want to go on that trip, you know, with your friends to France. I mean, that's not free. And so we need Mm -hmm. stuff in our life. And, you know, if we had our money freed up and we didn't have it stuck where we couldn't use it, but instead, what do we do? We have to go to the bank and borrow it. Now, Mm -hmm. when we take our our money into the bank to put it in the savings account, we get 1% on it. Right. Right. Yeah. But when we want to take it back out, we, they want 18% for a credit card, right? Oof. So the bank is allowed by law to loan your money out seven times for every dollar you put in. That's law. So they loan it out to somebody for a house at, let's say, 4%, somebody mm-hmm. for a car at, let's say, 5%, somebody for a technology or a vacation at 10%, and then three or four credit cards at 20 or 25%. The bank is now making 100% on the money that they're giving you and acting like it's a big deal that they're giving you 1% on. Wait a second. That's backwards. We, and our money's tied up so we can't use it. See how that works for them but not for you? Right. So what do you do? So what we need to do, 
So what we need to do is we need to free up that money so that we can actually use it for the stuff we have in life and pay ourselves that money back, right? Pay ourselves that 100% interest. Because like I say to people, honestly, Melanie, isn't that all most people want anyway? It's like a house, a car, you know, a trip once in a while and a couple credit cards. I mean, that's not extravagant, but that's what, what we've just been led to believe. And then we have all the commercials that tell us we need this and this and this and this and this. And, you know, I tell my clients, I say, look, you can have anything you want, but just don't choose everything, you know? Well, how do wealthy um, people, you, know, you study like, wealthy people, you study wealthy mm-hmm. people. I always believe that wealthy people, not, you know, the ones, made, they tend to be very cheap <laughs> and, and are parsimonious. Mm-hmm. Some of the wealthiest people, they don't, they're not extravagant. They, they're savers. Mm-hmm. And isn't saving, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously a 401k is saving and you can't touch it. Boy, do you get penalized if you draw it out early. Oh, yeah. I know. I know yeah. I've done it, well, but yeah. you know, but, but it isn't but you saving see how again, Melanie, you, Yeah. Yeah. Well, saving is part of it, but what, here's the whole thing. It's most people think, and what they've got is believing it is that it's about rate of return. And what I learned in school was that, okay, if you want a better return, you have to take more risk. Here's mm-hmm. the things that, um, here's the myths, right? So mm-hmm. you like Warren Buffett says, there's two rules to investing. Rule number one is never lose money. And rule number two is never forget rule number one. So, like, we, we get totally used to the idea that the stock market's going to take our money up and down and around and over through the woods. Wealthy people don't do that. Wealthy people put their money away so that it's always growing and compounding, like Einstein mm-hmm. called the eighth wonder of the world, right? Uninterrupted mm-hmm. compounding. So, and again, we can use the IRS tax code. There's play, and I'm sure, like, I had, I had told my clients, go ask your CPA about it. Because when they say, well, there's no places in the tax code that it says you can have lifetime cash flow that's tax-free, then I say, you just need a new CPA. You need, you know, and I work with a whole group of people that understand the tax code and do this. And so it works for people at all income levels. It works for people. There's no special trick. You don't have to have a million dollars. But it's more important, Melanie, where you put your money than it is the rate of return. Because, and here's why. Here's the basic idea. And, of course, we do all kinds of educational programs. I'm glad to, uh, you know, make them available. I've written an ebook. Mm-hmm. I'm glad to give it to, to your listeners. But mm-hmm. so the whole thing is that when When you put your money away and you can't get to it, you're not able to actually do and have and manage your money, right? You're doing Mm -hmm. like crisis management all the time. And Mm -hmm. so all of these, all of these, in fact, one of the CPAs that, um, that I do webinars with, he, he used to be the state administrator for the Illinois pension fund, right? So he was in charge Mm -hmm. of all of the employees in the state of Illinois. And he said, there's never one time that they ever talked about how to get the money out. All they do is tell you how to put the money in because they get paid on the amount of money that's in that account. Hmm. So all they ever, and he, you know, he was part of the system until he realized, wait a second, I've been lying to people all this time, not knowing it particularly, but actually the, the, you know, the outcome is the same is that big business and wall street was making all this money, but the actual investors and the workers and the American families weren't. And so I do a couple things. Now I help people understand this, but also, hmm. You know, we're, we are not told, and there's, I'll bet you that there's not, you know, a handful of people out there that have ever thought of how they're going to get the money out of the account. And like you said, we end up borrowing it out and paying huge mm-hmm. fees and penalties when it's our mm-hmm. money. Why, why are we doing that? We need to have, okay, so here's the five things we need to look for. Right. We need to look for liquidity. Okay, we need to have accounts that are, that are liquid, which means we can put money in and we can take the money out and it's not mm-hmm. going to be the end of the world. 
like a stock um, fund or something. Number two, mutual fund. Mm-hmm. we need to have right. We need to have tax free. We need to have tax free growth and tax free distribution, which means hmm. you need to get be able to get your money out without having a huge tax burden. Because here's right. what, here's what's killing people. You know, honestly, what's killing people is this. They've put as much money away as they can. And they've, you know, a lot of times they've, you know, women especially, they have, they're the ones that take the quote unquote little bit less responsible jobs a lot of times because Mm -hmm. they know they're going to have to take off when kids need something or they're going to have to take off when their parents need something. So they have to be in a position that they can do that. So women, when they save, they kind of put money in the cookie jar. You know, I know that's what I did. You know, I put money in the cookie jar because I thought, well, so, you know, Lisa might need shoes or Shauna might need, you know, a soccer trip or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to have to, you know, ask for the money. So I'm just going to put a little money away here so I can just do that for my kids, you know. And mm-hmm. it's like that's how we've been led to think it's okay. And it's just not. If I would have had, if I would have had this knowledge and known all this when I was, you know, in that situation, I would have been able mm-hmm. to walk away and said, have a nice day. I'm too good for this. You can, you know, whatever. It's over. But I never could. And so we want to make sure that we're independent and that we make our own decisions. And we uh-huh. can stay in good relationships, but, but we need a community. See, women Let's don't talk about number three. We've got liquidity to. and tax-free growth distribution. What's number three, four, and five? So tax-free growth and tax-free distribution, right? Those are two mm-hmm. kind of two different things, although right. they're the same type right. of topic. We need, to, we need to have a generous return. What we don't have right now when we, work at, when we look at the banks is a 1% return. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what I tell people is, guess what? It's taxable, so you get to give mm-hmm. out of every 10 cents, you get to give three to the government, you know? Mm-hmm. So that doesn't really, that doesn't help us. And then we also need to be able and be sure that we're going to have lifetime income. So like that Stuart Winehouse, that guy I told you about that's in the mm-hmm. Wall Street Journal and all that, he said the reason that, that these, that the 401k plans don't work is because, and you know, the tax deferred plans, you have no idea how much the government is going to take once you get ready to take that money, Mm-mm. you know? And that's, that's another little side discussion is that we're $20 trillion in debt in this country and the government doesn't make or do anything to generate its own wealth, right? It just takes from people who work and, mm-hmm. or people who are retired or in getting their money out of tax deferred accounts. And so, you know, we don't even know how much they're going to take. And it's up to them how much they take. It's not up to us. We don't get to vote on it. It's nothing that we do. You know, it's just we, you know, they're going to say it's this much, bang the gavel and bam, you know. So, 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 so you're really, really difficult. You, you really question the, the value of a 401k is what I'm hearing, that maybe you should be putting that money, if I'm reading you right, maybe instead of putting it in a 401k, so we, it, quote, compounds and grows or whatever, when you retire, maybe investing that money in a higher rate of return to create. Um, or steadier growth and possibly make more money in the process rather than putting it away for retirement. Is that where you're going with this? We really believe that there's other vehicles and other sources, and the IRS mm-hmm. tax code is really clear about where we can put our money um, mm-hmm. that it will grow tax-free and have tax-free distribution. Right. And so we help people with that. And again, I, I just want to tell you that it's more of a conversation than we can probably have right now. Right, But Absolutely. the whole thing is you don't want to put it back in the market and you don't want to take any market risk. And, and here's That's what very interesting. I want people mm-hmm. to... Yeah. Oh, it is. And it's fabulous. And mm-hmm. there's no reason that your account should ever go backwards. Most people think that you need to invest in the stock market and your buy house and do all these things that traditionally see growth 
And what you're saying mm-hmm. is there's other ways as well. There's absolutely other ways. And because mm-hmm. your money's liquid, if you find a house and you find, you know, you're going to go flip a house. I have lots of clients that are re- in the real estate business. Mm-hmm. They love the fact that their money's invested, but they can still use it to go do other things with and put it back. You know, like mm-hmm. I told you with the bank borrowing it and putting it back, you know, we can become, we can become our own source that so we can actually like double dip. We can actually earn money on the money and mm-hmm. we can also invest it and do other things. And so, you know, it's not complicated, but it's just a completely different way of looking at it. And, you know, there's people, you know, there's, I think, over 500,000 people across the country right now that are that are using these strategies and taking advantage of the IRS tax code. So, you know, it is out there for people. They just need to find people that can help them with that and mm-hmm. then, you know, and see if it's a fit for them. You know, because so it, it may or may not be for everybody, but deferring right. the tax is the big thing because you don't know how much money you'll ever have. So one last question in the, let's say, 40 seconds we have left, okay? How could someone, any, I mean, your website is www.lifestylewealthgroup.com. That's lifestylewealthgroup.com. Mm-hmm. Where else can someone go to find um, someone that they can trust? I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not really sure. I don't know that there's, I, I mean, there's a lot of people that do it. I think they just want to look for people that talk about tax-free growth and mm-hmm. tax-free distribution. And um, talk to you your know, friends. That's what they too. want to sit up. Yeah. Ask people right. you and, know and make who, sure that, who seem to do, be doing mm-hmm. well and ask them who's who they're using, right? Right, exactly. Right. I mean, yeah, that's a good idea. You know, that's another good idea. But just remember, if your CPA or your financial advisor hasn't talked with you about these provisions in the code, then, you know, they're, they may not be the best people to ask. Um, they're going to tell you what they know. And I know that because I used to know the same thing. Well, so I think I that's, totally a, that's, a great, that's, that's a great way to wrap up. Um, and, and, you know, Good. it's okay to fire your CPA. <laughs> I've done it. And move on. I hate to say work. it, but it is. Yeah. If, if it doesn't work, move on. So I want to thank you. We've been talking with Cheryl Fields, who is the founder of Lifestyle Wealth Group and author of The Wealth Report and creator of the Holistic Wealth for Women Approach to Financial Security. Her new book is Zero in the New Million, How to Pay Less in Taxes and Be Well on Your Way to the Millionaire Lifestyle. Thank you, Cheryl, for sharing your story and for giving us an enlightenment as to new ways to rethink how we look at our money. Thank you for having me today, Melanie. I really appreciate it. I'm so glad that we had this time together. Absolutely. And thank you all for listening. You're listening to Fearless Fabulous You. I will see you next week for another fabulous edition. And always check me out on iHeart. This is Melanie Young.